Welcome to Mindful Empowerment. I'm your host, Dr. Mary Elizabeth. Today's guest is Dr. Stephen Marini. Dr. Marini is a chiropractor and international lecturer and serves on the boards of the International Chiropractic Pediatric Association, the Holistic Pediatric Association, and Integrative Health Policy Consortium. Dr. Marini received an MS in microbiology and immunology, as well as a PhD in microbiology. In his doctoral studies, he conducted dissertation dissertation research on avian tumor viruses, and he has also received vitalistic training. And as a vitalist trained in classical science and conventional medicine, Dr. Marini appreciates the role of energy and information on an individual's health and healing process. He recognizes the need for a complementary patient-centered approach to healing and healthcare options. And you now uh, work with your son, and King of Prussia and Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, lecture internationally on psychoneuroimmunology and vaccination issues. Thanks so much for being here, Dr. Marini. It's a pleasure to be here. Could you tell us a little bit about your background, how you initially got into the medical field, and then maybe what led you kind of in your, in your journey to really recognizing that need for the complementary patient-centered approach? Absolutely. Uh, well, Mary, my first love uh, was immunology, and uh, that got born in undergraduate studies, and that motivated me to continue on with graduate work in immunology, and I was also interested in working with patient care and making people better. So I started an NDPHD program uh, simultaneously at Hahnemann, I did my research uh, on animal systems and started my medical training. Uh, I became disillusioned and disappointed uh, from the medical end. I went halfway through medical school and basically quit. Uh, as an immunologist back in the early 70s, uh, my research was in cancer using animal systems. And uh, as a medical student going to the cancer wards uh, in the Philadelphia area and seeing people witnessing firsthand folks who were ravaged by cancer and how they were being managed by the medical community. So as you can envision, cancer patients, uh, been irradiated, chemotherapy, barbaric type of surgeries. And, you know, and I said to myself and I said to my advisors, uh, look at these people. Uh, why are we punishing their immune systems? Because they have cancer. Shouldn't we be working to bolster their immune systems to fight and get rid of this cancer, and better yet, get them into a disposition uh, of balance with their immune system so that they don't get cancer, you know, and I was kind of brushed off as like, geez, you're just a dumb graduate student, so I'm just a dumb graduate student, so uh, I finished up my research, quit medicine, and research was fun, but it wasn't fulfilling because I needed people, so I was looking for something holistic, uh, to help with the patient end of my journey. I was looking into homeopathy, was going to study in France, but my wife didn't want to move the horses to France. So uh, somebody told me that, you know, you'd be great teaching at the chiropractic college. So I started teaching at the chiropractic college, taught a philosophy class. And, you know, as Garfield, the cat says, sometimes life just puts that chocolate donut right in your face. And that was chiropractic for me. So with chiropractic, I'm able to uh, do my heart's desire and passion, which is to work with the total person, uh, the psychology, their 
spirituality, their consciousness, as well as my work taking stress off of the nervous system. And that journey uh, also kind of paralleled the evolution of science. When I was a student, uh, the immune system was considered an independent system of our bodies. And then that got broken down into say, well, no, the nervous system has something to say. And then neuroimmunology was born where the immune system and nervous system are like two partners uh, that control the body. And then back in the 90s was the textbook on psychoneuroimmunology where what you think, your consciousness levels, your psychology, your spirituality plays a very vital role in how your immune system works. So uh, I'm able to take that science and teach it to students, chiropractic students and continuing ed, uh, which is certainly a dream and fulfillment of mine, uh, to teach and then to take my patients and do all we can to make them healthier and optimum from thinking right down to gut function, which is the headquarters of your immune system. And when you received your, your vitalistic training, I think some people might not even be familiar with that, with that term. And would, how do you ex- describe that to people? Well, vitalism is an appreciation of an energy or information uh, that guides and directs our being. Uh, a force greater than ourselves um, that is involved with our healing. The body has an incredible self-healing capacity as we all well know, and as all we all have well experienced. It, it doesn't really need much help. It just needs no interference. Occasionally, it does need some help if uh, things get messed up pretty significantly. But we, we tap the inner innate energy, as you call it. Yeah, so really, as a, as a chiropractor, you're able to address health using that, that approach and and then you you mentioned how a lot of the immune system is in your is in your gut, and so w- would you say you you still use um, your take a conventional approach to health, or how do you how would you describe your kind of approach to to medicine and health? Well, medicine is more mechanistic, more reductionistic. You know, you go to a medical doctor, and uh, okay, they say your sugar levels are high. Uh, and your sugar level should be here. Uh, So let's give you a drug to put your sugar level where we want your sugar level to be. Uh, That's more conventional. Mine is like, well, your sugar is a reflection of your endocrine system, your hormones, which is connected with your nervous system and your immune system. So let's get into lifestyle changes. Uh, What's going on in your life, the stress, what's your diet like? Let's look at the whole person to manage the sugar. And you oftentimes can get in under control uh, without having to do medication. So I think medications, uh, every medication has a side effect. So if we can manage things naturally, nutritionally, uh, holistically uh, with person, we're better off. So, you know, I work together with naturopaths, holistic medical folks to, to help people get in touch with their own health rather than submit to a a medical person who basically dictates from a very mechanistic, not a total person, but, you know, individual problem rather than the individual. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, I think I I found Does that. that yeah, I found that in my experience too. That if if you're just looking addressing one cause of it, you might have a, a person going to five different specialists for five different sep- different issues, but they might actually be connected, but they're being addressed maybe separately and then given d- different medications, which maybe can cause side effects. So I really like the the approach that you take and and what you do. And as, as you mentioned, it's been known about the role of energy and how that can affect your health. And it, it about mentioned the psychoneuroimmunology and how, how that's been known as, as well. But I don't, I don't really see those things coming about <clears throat> in <clears throat> like common practice. Well, Mary, I mean, what, what needs to change is a movement from uh, a patient, a person being a victim, which is basically how the medical system works. I'm a victim and you're the medical doctor, you're the hierarchy, you're the God who controls things, very hierarchical, very demeaning in a way where the patient really doesn't have a say in it. You know, you just go in uh, and you listen and you take orders. Where a better approach is for you to get empowered to take control of your own health and well-being uh, with my help and the help of professionals that we need to hook up. So it's patient-centered rather than in conventional health care it's physician centered mostly, you know, we have our standards, we have our norms, your cholesterol should be here, your LDL should be here, uh, your blood pressure should be here. You know, let's deal with the person, not with their blood pressure or their sugar levels. So it's gotta be a a switch, a shift from uh, hierarchical, reductionistic, patient exclusive to more patient inclusive, patient-centered care, you know, and you have to be a partner in your care. Are you interested in changing, Uh, you know, uh, take the reins. We give you the facts, we give you the direction, and it's up to you, and we'll just help you along. That's the way it should be. That's the way our country needs to go, because the way things are going now uh, with healthcare, uh, so many people are sick with chronic diseases, You know, uh, the World Economic Forum has said, you know, by the year 2030, so many folks with chronic diseases, they're going to bankrupt healthcare systems. So it's not sustainable. Uh, We need to do, we need to change things quickly. Yeah, and with with all the money we spend on our healthcare and the medications, it would would seem to think we would be in a lot better space but instead we see the increasing rise of right. chronic diseases and inflammatory conditions and it's good I think I think there are more people though that that are starting to become aware that there are some other options more natural approaches they can take changing up their diet going to a chiropractor other options like that that can play a big part I think mindfulness training and practice mm-hmm. How huge have you seen that in folks? Yeah, I think to a mindfulness orientation and, and I think that's becoming more prevalent too. Yeah, that's you know we're not taught that from the time we're little, and we need to start from the time we're little to feel empowered, be empowered. You know, when I when I grew up, somebody knew what you should eat, when you should eat it, what time you should go to bed. 
what you need to learn in school, what you need to do to be a good you know, person in society. Somebody else always had an answer for what you need to do and how to behave, you know, and that needs to shift a little bit. You know, when you get to an age where, okay, now you got to start making decisions for yourself. You know, what do you think? So we can't be treated like little children all our lives. You know, there's a time for that when we're little children. <laughs> but, you know, once we reach, reach an age of reason, it's like, okay, now you have to take responsibility, you know, for yourself. Yeah, your own personal responsibility. Can't believe everything you're told. And I think just using some common sense now can get people pretty far, especially uh, at times when I think it's increasingly prevalent. People might look around and wonder, well, this might not make sense. And then just, I mean, there's a lot of information just on the internet. People can look up and, and read and consider another perspective too. Um, that's, I, I did want to ask you when you mentioned about the most, the, the gut and the immune system. And so what, what is your, um, in your, in your much experience training, how, much benefit does a vaccine do and how does that work or is there any conflict there if you're you're you know injecting it into say someone's arm but then you have a lot of your in the gut is where you have uh, what makes up a lot of your immune system how do you find that works or doesn't work well it goes against the grain uh what what we're finding uh in terms of how the immune system works, the mechanisms behind it, what's appropriate. We know that the natural infections uh, generate the type of immune response that is natural and it's appropriate and it's the most safe for the individual. You know, for decades, uh, the science of the vaccines, vaccinology, has tried very hard to generate a vaccine that can create an immune response in the body that is close to what the natural immune system would do. So we haven't been able to do that. And, and part of the problem is that, as you had mentioned, getting a shot in your arm for say measles or mumps is not the same as how you would get the disease naturally or a child would get it. They would get it by breathing it in from one of their friends being out in the environment. So the immune system recognizes that difference and will behave differently because it's a totally different experience. What we're finding is that the direction that takes your immune system, if you get it injected into you, drives the immune system in a, in a direction that makes you more vulnerable to other types of infections, makes you more vulnerable to respiratory issues and to allergies and asthma. That's why we have so much of that. Uh, going on. So it pushes the immune system in the wrong direction uh, in general. So natural is always better. Uh, certainly there are situations and cases where, you know, a vaccine can be life-saving. Uh, so it's not that I am against vaccinology or vaccines. Uh, I'm just against the unsafe use of it, especially when you consider that kids get like 29 doses of vaccines before they were a year old, before their immune system is even mature and ready to handle it. It's, it just sets them up for devastation later on. 
Yeah, it's interesting. I, I believe it was in the, the mid 80s where they started really increasing the amount of doses that a child receives right from the age of, of birth. And have you have you seen any increasing as far as um, disease prevention since that's been started with any with that? Drug? Well, the, the scary correlative information is in looking at infant mortality rate, infant mortality rate, which is the number of infants that can make it to a year old in your society. That's a measure by the World Health Organization of healthcare in an individual country. So countries are ranked uh, by virtue of their infant mortality rates. So obviously the best countries who are taking the best care of their people and their infants are at the top of the infant mortality rate uh, list, meaning they got the least amount. So you would think that with all the vaccines, we give more vaccines to our kids than any other country. So you would think, wow, then we're number one in the world in terms of infant mortality rate, protecting our infants, where we're like 55 on the list. There are third world countries that do better than us. So the countries that have more uh, prudent use of vaccines and don't use as many vaccines, like Sweden and West Germany and Singapore, Monaco, uh, it's a small country. You know, they're always at the top of the list. So what are they doing that we're not doing is the big question. So uh, I just have not seen the uh, positive benefits of all the vaccines that we've given since the 70s and 80s to now on the overall health and well-being of our people. As you had mentioned, we have a lot of chronic degenerative diseases. These are signs that the immune system is not working well, is not happy with you. You know, we're number one in the world in chronic degenerative diseases. So why do you think that is? Certainly there's other variables, uh, but we cannot not consider the vaccine vaccination question. And there's studies that are coming out looking at the unvaccinated versus unvaccinated, especially in Florida, they did a big homeschool study comparing the vaccinated with the unvaccinated and see big health differences. Uh, kids that who, who've been vaccinated have higher issues, incidences of allergies and asthma and neurodevelopmental issues as compared to the ones that are not vaccinated. And now um, with the, the vaccine and development for the kind of the world situation, and I know it, you know, in my pharmacist school training, it normally takes years to develop a vaccine. And there's, we're hoping we're going to get it soon is kind of the word out. How, what are your thoughts on this? And it's going to be a new, new type of vaccine. And what, what is your, your outlook and, 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 you know, the research that you've done so far on that issue? It, tell you the truth, it, it scares the bejesus out of me. Uh, they're not too sure about this virus. And they're certainly not too sure about the immune system uh, and with what the vaccine is going to do. Um, they're finding that uh, antibodies are not the gold standard for protection against this virus, whereas most of the diseases that we're familiar with, like pertussis and rubella and measles, mumps, et cetera, et cetera, you need antibodies 
to, to be like a big defense uh, for you. Uh, they are, the antibodies are only playing a minor role, uh, it appears, with this COVID virus. It's more a T-cell effect. T-cells are cells that come from your thymus, uh, which is right near your thyroid and your throat. And that's generated when you were inside your mom in the first trimester. So that sends out the cells, which are, are like the officers, if you want to talk about like a military analogy. They're the officers that make the decisions on how to react and how to protect you. Uh, and unless they have a vaccine that can do uh, the type of T cell response that we're seeing in people who get COVID and have no problems with it, which is the vast majority of people, you know, we can ask their immune system, Mary, how does your immune system deal with COVID since you had COVID? And your immune system will tell us. So if you can make a vaccine that can do that, then you're barking up the wrong tree. And they're not really, you know, to most degree, they're not look, really looking at that. Mm-hmm. That's a good point. Yeah. And what, what kind of questions do you get from your patients um, today? Is, are they concerned about how do I not get COVID? Or wh- what, what is the kind of the, the, the most prevalent questions you're getting right now? Well, the major thing is folks are concerned at the question is, what can I do to help myself be in a better disposition to handle COVID if I get it? So the research, it's out in the research, the things that put your immune system in a better disposition, because they've looked at it from a research standpoint, folks who are more vulnerable to COVID are those who have very low vitamin D levels low zinc levels, you know, so we need vitamin D, we need zinc, vitamin C, uh, elderberry. These are um, nutrients and supplements that help put your immune system in a better defensive disposition. Uh, The T cells need that to help them work. But most importantly, you need to have a positive mindset. Because if you are stressed out, and people all realize that when you're under a great deal of stress, emotional stress, family stress, work stress, etc., that weakens your immune system and it makes you more vulnerable. So what certainly bothers me throughout all of this is the word from our experts is be afraid, lock yourself in your house, don't go out, wear a mask because somebody can give you a disease and kill you. You know, it scares the bejesus out of everybody. It's like, you know, the old boogeyman uh, nightmares that we had as kids. They're, they're trying to recreate that. And, and these are our so-called medical experts, you know, and they don't tell people, you know, how to relax, what to eat, what supplements to take, what you can do to help your immune system confront this virus. You know, there are antivirals that are out there that are, are, that are natural, oil of oregano and olive leaf extracts and garlic extracts, which, you know, neutralize viruses. People can be taking that as well. Have you heard anything from Fauci, who's our expert, on what to do to help yourself? It's just go, go wear a mask and stay home and don't go in the crowds. Uh, okay. <laughs> and <laughs> can't go it. back to normal until we get a vaccine. Yeah. It's, it just rubs me the wrong way. It's, mm-hmm. it, it reminds me and it brings back 
negative memories of my seeing folks in cancer words, words back in the 70s and 80s whose immune systems have been punished for getting cancer. It's like, well, we should be empowering these people. We should be boosting up their immune systems and not bashing it down. Mm-hmm. And the death rate is actually pretty low. And, it, and if, if people are doing what they can naturally, taking you know vitamin C, D, practicing mindfulness, not being afraid, doing all that, um, com- and then maybe with the realization that the death rate is actually quite quite low, I, th- I think we we could start seeing a just a big change in the general kind of feel or 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 vibe, if you will, but if people are still going around and they're afraid and they have, they're putting on a mask, which maybe might cause them stress or anxiety and you turn on the TV and you're, you know, you're, you're hearing how crazy the situation is, then it's only going to, you know, you, I mean, I would just use common sense say, Oh, that's just going to increase, increase the problem. Um, you're absolutely right. I, I tell people the last thing you want to do is watch the news and then go to bed because how are you going to sleep? You know, you got these nightmares of who's dying and how many cases and people in on ventilators and you, you go to sleep thinking of that. How can you sleep restfully? <laughs> you know, you're, you're waiting for, you know, the, the big tiger to come into your house and eat you up. Mm-hmm. And it, it's in- interesting how, how many people are wearing masks and the requirements and now there's fines in places if, if you don't wear one. I have yet to see any research myself. Have you seen any that shows that that is going to help prevent someone from getting the virus? Well, it, common sense. I mean, anything that's going to help reduce respiratory droplets, which is one of the main things we're concerned about, you know, has to have some positive effect. Um, you know, all we can do as a society is look at, say, Sweden. Sweden decided masks are a waste of time. So Sweden did have pretty significant uh, caseload and had a significant death rate. But it's peaked now and it's gone. I mean, Sweden, I don't think there's having much cases at all there. They're not worried about COVID anymore. Uh, you know, our, our society does like to protect poor grandma Jane and Joe who have, you know, secondary conditions that make them more vulnerable to COVID. So yeah, you want to protect them. People in the old age homes, uh, that got hit very hard, especially in New York. Um, The vulnerable are susceptible. So wearing a mask will help protect them from getting the virus from you. And if they have the disease, they wear the mask so that they can help suppress them sending it to you. So I know there's been debate both ways, but anything that's going to help reduce the spread, you know, we decided a long time ago that if you're doing surgery, you're better off wearing a mask so that you're not breathing on the open wound of the patient that you're working on and that has reduced infection. So we do have evidence that wearing a mask when appropriate, works. But driving on the turnpike for six hours with a mask on, uh, that kind of boggles. To me, that's kind of outside the realm of common sense. It's like, 
are you worried about contaminating your car? Yeah. Or have your car contaminate you, that you're, you're breathing in air conditioning from your car and it's got COVID in it and your mask's going to help you? You know, that's a bit much. Yeah. And I'm so maybe to, to clarify too, I mean, I'm, I'm familiar with in, in, you know, surgeries and in practice, you know, medical staff, they wear a mask. They don't want to, they're doing surgery. They don't want to get anything on the patient. They don't want to contaminate that area, of course. And um, when, when I was in the hospital and I would go into patients that had tuberculosis, I would put on, you know, the personal protective gear and all that. So, I mean, I, I, and as far as I'm familiar with those situations, but it, as far as, um, and then sure, if you're coughing or sneezing on somebody, you're going to be propelling those droplets. Um, but if, if you're, you know, if someone's not cough, coughing and, and sneezing on people just for the um, general practice of the general population um, to be more, to, to go in around um, with one, I think, I guess that's a little more what I was um, referring to. But yeah, I appreciate your thoughts and perspective on that. And what what's what's the most forefront thing on, on your your mind today? Your your biggest you could say concern or your biggest advice to people or um, direction you'd like to see things going? Well, I think you you hit upon it. Is let's apply some common sense, you know, and and let's uh, empower the people because. It's been six months or so of taking your freedoms away, taking your lifestyle away. Uh, the kids are, are getting significantly, um, I wouldn't say hurt, but, you know, their life is being compromised. They can't play with friends. You know, social interaction at a young age is so important. You know, let's try to get back to normal as slowly and as safely as we can. You know, I think the schools that are opening, uh, colleges, et cetera, have done remarkable strides in making a safe environment for people. But I think we are going to be scarred as a society. You know, it's going to be uh, kind of scary and interesting to see big events, like big sporting events where there's 90,000 people crowded into a stadium, uh, you know, uh, concerts where there's thousands of people all huddled together. You know, will we ever get back to that? Or people are just going to be so fearful and paranoid of that. Mm -hmm. So that's, that's a concern, but you got to stay positive. Mm -hmm. You know, we're on the downslope, you know, the second wave has, is diminishing uh and we just got to pray that another uh hybrid or laboratory generated virus doesn't escape and give us another problem to worry about yeah i i think i i tend to like to look at the the big picture too like sure if you took everybody and you just you know put them in a in a, a totally clean room and they couldn't get hurt they couldn't get injured they couldn't get any bacterial infection virus nothing you'd say oh well maybe we we had a low death rate but i i like to look at the overall quality of life and interaction with with people and consider the and i, I think people you know should have the right to to make their own own choice and and have their their freedom and and overall like you said they're missing out on their social interactions and um 
natural things in, in life and experiences and to, to get back to all that as, as quickly as Yeah, I, I mean, our, our bodies are wired that way. I mean, we've always had people. We always have interacted with people. So our bodies, our immune systems are used to being exposed to other people from the time we're kids, kids in the same playpen, kids in the same school, uh, in the schoolyards. You know, there's interaction. It's the way your immune system learns, wow, there's a world outside there that's not just me. And your immune system adapts and matures and grows based on our interactions with other people. So we need other people. So a fear is that if, you know, you are so fearful of other people, you know, that's going to have a negative effect, you know, on the immune systems of our kids, the psychology of our kids, the social skills of our kids. Um, it's kind of scary times. Mm-hmm. Somebody's got to step to the plate with some common sense. Yeah, I think so. Exactly. And just the realization that people don't have to be afraid of this and do, you know, support, just like we mentioned earlier, support your immune system naturally, whether someone's into doing, you know, any kind of exercise, mindfulness, yoga, walking, running, being outside, and then whatever the level they're comfortable with, with social interaction, at least getting that with other people and, and being positive and, then I, I think we could see a huge change just with, with people doing that and, and spreading that, that information. Precisely. Precisely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Thank Yeah. Thank you, Dr. Marini. And is there, um, is there anything, any other thoughts you want to add as we're kind of getting toward the close here or any, any other um, po- um, points or. Uh, no, I think, you know, we hit on all, all the, uh, the good points. Uh, try to avoid the negativity, that, that's for sure. You know, and I, people are kind of fed up with it anyway. You know, in, in my practice, in, in the very beginning, people were very fearful of coming out. Uh, fear and paranoia was tops of the list. Now it's starting to ease up. People uh, are not as fearful, but yet respectful. Respectful of the fact that, yes, we have an issue. Yes, I need to protect myself and protect my family. Uh, so you can do it, you know, in a, in, a po- in a positive way, in a respectful way, but not a fearful way. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of a positive note that I am kind of seeing some sunshine through all these gray clouds. You know, Disney World is open, you know, but they're respecting uh, the process, mm-hmm. you know, and then you're going to have those people who you know, disregard it all. And, you know, let's go to the beach. Let's have a COVID party. Let's see who can get COVID and do it and deal with it. You know, so that's kind of taking it to an extreme. Mm-hmm. And I think there's a lot of people on different levels of, of that is the world, you know, one is the world's going to end. We're all going to die. The other one is, right. <laughs> well, has anybody even ever gotten, you know, hardly anybody gotten sick. So, and then, and then there's other people who maybe realizing, well, the death rate is really low. So I, you know, I try to be respectful in people I interact with because I don't know in, in what 
you know, what, I don't know what information they have and then which gives them their opinion. Um, I can, you know, kind of do what I can to be positive and, and not afraid. And um, yeah, thank yeah, thank you, Dr. Marini. On, on a, a, a personal note, what, do you have one um, daily habit that you found that contributes to the success you've had? You've had very successful practice in a lot of, um, you know, as mentioned in your intro, all, all the, you know, things you do and involved when, is there one kind of daily habit that you feel contributes to your success that you'd like to share? Uh, I'd say yoga, meditation, and contemplation to start my day. Awesome. Awesome. And to start your day, I like, that's great. I find uh, in the beginning when you start your day off, it really makes a difference for the rest of it. Right. Awesome. Thank you. that consciousness level in the right spot. Very true. And get your hugs. Yes. All right. Thank you so much for your um, time, Dr. Marini, and being here. And what's the best way for people to get in contact with you or look up your work? Uh, probably the best is email. Uh, that I look at. It's tough to get me when I'm running around with patients, but I eventually always get to email, which is Moto Marini, M-O-T-O-M-A-R-I-N-I, at msn.com. Excellent. And I'll put the um, link below and take care. Thanks for your time. Be safe. Enjoy the rest of the summer. <laughs>